Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. Like humans are complex, aren't they? There are lots of different things that go into making them who they who they are. And it might be like introversion, extroversion. Um, it might be that they, um, I don't know, really numbers or they're more verbal or, or whatever it is. And all of those things blend together. And, and it's about matching that blend with the right role that's going to suit them, them the best because then everyone wins. It's worth wondering... What it's like being an introvert, leading and managing a team of 45 people producing two and a half thousand sets of accounts in a year in a large multi-office firm. This podcast with Kat Wellam-Kent of multi-office firm Monaghan's down in the southwest has Kat sharing her insights on her introversion, but also look out for her comments on about how important it is to make the roles of their team crystal clear and the purpose of what they're doing crystal clear too. Let's go to that interview with Kat now. So Kat, just to put everything into context, can you please just give us a bit of an overview on Monaghan's, you know, what you do, your role and your team and your clients, just so that we can, you know, start to see who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, MHA Monaghan's is a firm based down in the in the southwest. We have... Um, I say seven and a half offices because we have a small office in Froome that we open up on market day or did pre-COVID. Um, yes. Uh, we're a firm of 12 partners, about 200 odd staff. Um, uh, and within the firm, we cover kind of a broad range of, of services that kind of pretty much everything you'd expect, um, including kind of corporate finance. Um, we also have um, an associated uh wealth management business um uh and i guess my my role within that so i lead the business services team within monahans which is a team of about 45 people at the moment um and that team ranges from school leavers so training associates that come in from aat all the way through to managers um and our main role is to deliver the compliance services either directly to clients or for um, our kind of client portfolio managers that then hold that relationship with the with the external client. Okay. And are those client portfolio managers in your team or could they be in other teams? No, they kind of sit yeah. outside. So the client portfolio managers almost sit in, I guess, what we'd call like our front office. So so they would be outside outside of the team. So I guess when I think of the team, we almost have two groups of clients. We have kind of your external clients that the managers in business services hold those relationships and then we have our internal clients being the client portfolio managers and what's the split of work in percentage terms you know the, the i don't know whether you do it on numbers or value between your internal customers clients and your external in inverted commas real clients um the vast majority of it would be two client portfolio managers that then um kind of have that client relationship so the vast majority of what we do is to internal clients right okay okay now this is going to sound harsh so you know um, fight back on this one so are you, are you running the sort of um, accounts production sausage machine for all the client facing relationship managers sort of yes I don't like to think of it in that way um, because I think there is a danger if you 
if, if the people that are in there doing the work think of it as just doing a process and following steps, then I don't think the quality of the product will always be there. I want them to almost feel like what they're, they're responsible for delivering that set of accounts, not following a kind of step-by-step process. Okay. So you're saying to me there that you think the quality of the work goes down if it's just a checklist tick box exercise of getting the accounts done and out the door and a a set of uh, draft accounts into the hands of a portfolio manager. Mm. Um, but how, how do, how do you team, how do you connect your team up to the actual fact that they're doing something for a, 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 a business owner who's got, you know, the, uh, excuse the reference, but the blood and bullets of running a business flying in this, you know, in 2020, there's been plenty of that metaphorically. Um, how, how do you build that bridge so that they can get, get a, a feeling towards the value of that work for the end customer? Or do you build that with the relationship with a portfolio manager? What, how, how do you make that work? Um, I guess we do it in different ways. So, so one of it is 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 the relationship with the portfolio manager. So, um, I want them to be able to answer any question that the client portfolio manager poses to them about what is happening with those numbers. So, if they're getting kind of review points or comments, I want them to be able to answer it um, as if it was the client. But then also in in the past, which some, which is something that we've done that um, I'd like to kind of do more of when we. Um, uh, restrictions are kind of lifted with our interactions and things is um, yeah. it's kind of almost run like mock client meetings so almost like me or the, the, their line manager whoever it is kind of sits down with a file and pretends to be the, the the client and asks all those questions like like why is my tax bill so high this year or or what's that in that number I, d- I don't think that's right and so they can actually yeah. understand what those numbers mean and the kind of questions and the kind of things that the client portfolio manager is going to ask so they know that that's what they're going to have to think about and deliver to the client portfolio manager yeah 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 so how do you how do you um how does your team determine that they've had a um, successful day or a successful week or a successful month depending on you know what what, what your reference is how do they you know you know i was i always like to think you, you, you get we used to do this didn't we go to work then get home on a friday <laughs> as opposed to just move from one room to another maybe um and go to the fringe fridge and open your favorite bottle of ginger beer or your glass of wine or your gin and tonic or whatever yeah. it is and if you feel as though you've had a really good week the drink's really good um and if you've had a naff week the drink's actually a bit of a you know a, a, a salve mm. um uh, how, do, how do your people know they've had a good week cat i think it will be a combination of factors so so one of them will be delivering the work that was expected of them so it will be more of a process thing so we have a, a staff scheduling um system that we use at the beginning of of um the week they'll they'll have an email they'll go in and look and see okay this is what i've got to get done this week one of the things will be if they've got through what they were supposed to have got through then that's obviously going to be a yes i've I've achieved what i meant to um Mm. at regular points throughout the week i would be hope they would be getting um kind of review points or feedback from the client portfolio managers when they've looked at the files so hopefully if that's good then that will be um that will be kind of a, another sign that they've had a good week, kind of just reaffirming that they've got stuff right. Or even 
even if they haven't picked up everything, just getting that feedback so they know, okay, right, I understand that's what I need to do differently. Um, but they have that kind of regular interaction. So they, I think the important thing is they know where they are. Like they know, um, right. they know if they're doing well or what, if they need, what they need to improve on. I think the worst thing is hearing silence and not, not knowing where you're at. Um, yeah, working in a yeah, vacuum. I think that can be really demotivating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So how, how do you track and measure or acknowledge that flow of feedback from the portfolio managers, Kat? Um, at the moment, it's, it's, it's ad hoc. So each of the um, associates um, has, a, has a line manager. So it's either a newly, relatively newly qualified, um, newly promoted manager or an assistant manager. So that would be someone that's just approaching qualified or, or more commonly recently qualified. And they will be catching up with, with each of those associates on a, on a at least kind of weekly basis to just check in, see how they're at. And as part of that, they'd have a discussion to kind of go, oh, how are you getting on with your jobs? Have you heard back? Kind of what feedback are you at? So we'd get a kind of a sense of um, how they're doing. And then as a management group, so the assistant managers, managers and myself, we have a, um, a fortnightly catch up to just kind of pick up on issues. So if we're not getting the feedback, then we can follow up or if particular individuals are having issues and we want to talk about it or a, a common bit of feedback comes up, which would identify a training need, then we could put something in place. Um, mm. So at the moment, that's relatively kind of informal. Um, one of the things that I'm looking at implementing is, a, is maybe a more formal feedback system the challenge we have is with these seven offices, the client portfolio managers are spread out around all those offices. It's very difficult to kind of track all of that and see exactly where everyone's at. So mm. we were thinking about some a kind of a cloud-based system or something like that so that the trainee can raise feedback and we can see it track through. Track through. But that's still a kind of a, a work in progress to see where we where we get to on that. The 2021 project, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it, it, this conversation's gone nowhere near where I thought it was going to go, uh, but fascinating nonetheless because you know I'll, I'll go into a firm or, or work with a firm and see uh, and, and talk to this sense of achievement. You know, how, how do we build a sense of achievement? Because in in there lies that sense of drive and motivation and enthusiasm for the work people are doing. Um, and and it's uh, and I've run team days and and um, it's almost easier to feel a sense of achievement if you're directly connected with a customer. But if you're in the admin team or the support team or your business services team, you, you're, you're disconnected and therefore um, there's a there's a harder job. But it's, I, I like your phrase, you, you, you see those client portfolio managers as internal clients, internal customers. Mm. Um, do your team get to see and meet? I know it's hard, been hard in 2020, but is, is the, do you, what do you do to build that sort of personal, emotional connection with those portfolio managers? Um, so whenever, whenever one of the associates starts a job, um, they should kind of pick up the phone, have a conversation with that client portfolio manager to get a proper understanding of um, – uh, anything that they need to know really um and to you say should there yes Sorry, i did Kat. say you should so they start say I should did. it's like it's a rag roll <laughs> red rag to a bull for the me that is so what they should yeah. um do they no not not oh. not as frequently as we would like um i think all right i okay. think um emails are much more common 
Um, pe- yeah, people easier, seem to be scared yeah. of the phone. I think part of that is the point that you made, that rapport, that relationship. I think some some of the associates may see the client portfolio managers as, I don't know, a bit scary. A bit d- scary. scary. Um, so we're, 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 we're one of the things that we're thinking about doing to address that is, so I mentioned those ad hoc training sessions or something like that, getting yeah. those client portfolio managers to, to do little topics so that mm. they start to build that relationship. Um, mm. I think where, where we've got um, a business services team in the same office as the client portfolio managers, that rapport and relationships there. The issue we have is where we've got some offices where there's no business servicing team presence. It's just your client portfolio managers. Um, and that's where there's more of a challenge um, because there's not mm. that relationship at the moment. Yeah, yeah, or as yeah. strong a relationship as we'd like. It's unfair to say no yeah, relationship, yeah. but yeah. No relationship, yeah, yeah, because you can have an email relationship just as you can have a, you know, a Facebook relationship, but it's not the same as having a, you know, phone call relationship or a Zoom relationship or a face-to-face one. It's, it's There's a different depth to it, yeah. isn't there? Um, and so actually building that emotional connection with your internal clients, is that that's, sounds as though it's quite tough, that. Okay. Yeah, and I think... Um, I guess one thing I didn't mention in, in, in the introduction is over over this year, we've kind of changed how the business services team works. So in the past, we had kind of separate business services teams that almost serviced particular client portfolio managers or particular offices. Whereas this year, we've moved to one business services team servicing all the client portfolio managers. So mm. that has made that relationship piece more important and slightly more challenging because mm. um, there's a greater pool of managers that need to know a greater pool of train of associates. So. Yeah. 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 So, so I interrupted you early. So, you know, I, I asked about building the relationships. Well, they, we start with, they should talk to the managers. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bit of work to be done there then um, uh, to these in inverted commas, scary managers. What, what next? What next? Um, then I, I mean, ideally, in a in a normal world, we'd have um, kind of um, regular social events that um, we'd get all these people to go to. Because I think there's nothing nothing beats sitting down outside of work and just having a conversation with people about their lives and getting to know them on a personal level. That then yeah. takes the working relationship to a to, yeah to a different place. I think and makes it a lot easier if you know about them, so you can say, oh, like how did like whatever your favorite football team to get up at the weekend and oh wasn't it so-and-so's birthday last week or whatever um yes and that's where we we have it 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 has been a struggle because we haven't been able to replicate that in the same way we we started off doing your your quiz nights over zoom as i think everyone did right at the start but then everyone got quiz night fatigue and uh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah okay so uh how how's you how's how's the performance of the team uh, been in this remote working world then Kat, how, how's how's that gone it's it's been quite challenging um because pre-covid we were um pretty much everyone was almost fully present in the office we didn't have remote workers mm. so mm. i think it was actually a testament to us as a firm we managed to go from being pretty much 100% office based and at that point 
having a lot of manual files about the place to working remotely in electronic files almost in the matter of a couple of weeks, um, yeah. which was amazing that we could achieve that. Yeah. Um, but it, that, that proved challenging in terms of just keeping everyone engaged, checking in on everyone, making sure everyone was okay. Um, mm. And I think it's taught us a lot in terms of the, um, the support mechanisms we need in place. So we've got a number of um, uh, newly promoted assistant managers who are then responsible for a smaller pool of the associates. So they can, mm -hmm. it's almost easier for them to, if they're looking after, I don't know, say like five people, they, that's that's more manageable than if you had a manager that was looking after like 15 or 20 people that's very difficult yeah, yeah. to provide that level of support especially in a, mm. a challenging um kind of environment that we've had this year um mm. and um below that we try and kind of buddy people up so that there is um a kind of a support mechanism within the office um so you have your kind of almost your brand new associates and you've got your associates that have been here a year or two and they provide support and I think that's great for the associate because they've, they've got someone that they can ask loads and loads of questions to but I think it's also mm -hmm. really important for that person that is the buddy because that kind of demonstrates to them how much they've learned and what they know and kind of makes them feel better about themselves because they're like oh actually I hadn't realized how much I've learned but now I've looked mm -hmm. at like most where I was 12, 18, 24 months ago. And I realized, God, I didn't know anything. And I know so much now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not as green as yeah. I thought I was because they've, they've got that responsibility. So is that buddy process something that you've instigated during 2020 or was it working before? No, then? we had that buddy process be before then. Um, so right. principally when, when the kind of new associates started. So that was one of the other challenges. So we had six new associates join in the beginning of September when we were yeah. all working remotely. We hadn't come back to the office yeah. at that point. So that was a interesting induction process. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's been a, a challenge for all, all firms is bringing in new people during the last, uh, the last 12 months or certainly since March. Um, so one, one of the things that, um, shows up clearly for me cat with the different firms that I, I work with around the uk and a little bit internationally as well is the 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 firms that have done best are the ones that have actually got more points of contact with mm -hmm. the team uh, than they had before yep. we were working remotely and the ones that have uh, sort of maintained a similar level or maybe not done as much as the best performing firms just haven't you know there's a direct correlation i think i've mentioned this on another podcast as well but um it, it's just so blatantly obvious i'm just wondering have you got any sense as to whether you and your managers your team have got more points of contact now than they had before or where, where are you at where's where's your team on with that one do you think? i would say if i was kind of appraising myself on on that i think um when we were kind of towards at the beginning of lockdown so when everyone was working mm -hmm. remotely we probably didn't have, we hadn't stepped up in terms of more points of contact. Um, right. When, when we were able, the first, so our first kind of priority was um, making the offices COVID secure and getting yeah. our, any, basically anyone that was 
an associate, so anyone that was studying or learning training and anyone that supports train people that are training back into the office so we could increase those points of contact again and 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 get them kind of working working better um because we could see that um that was having an impact in terms of um people's um what yeah what people were saying just um their ability to to kind of get through jobs um in the same way that they would do in the office so that was why we prioritized that because we felt that was the easiest way to improve those points of contact so Mm. Mm. it's in there's that uh, it's not a trade-off it's the wrong phrase i was about to use but there's that blend isn't there of functioning emotional and and, and mental well-being that ensures that people can actually plow through the work that needs to be done in order for you to hit your goals and targets and financial responsibilities to the team and the firm Um, and i think i think this year it's shown and highlighted for i think many people the importance of, of mental well-being and i think it's made it a lot more normal to talk about it and to focus on it mm. um and to kind of be open if you're if you're having issues um which yeah, which yeah. is I, I think a positive for me because it, I, it's so important so so important uh, I, I absolutely agree and and some firms have ignored it some firms have done things with it and um some firms are doing something every month with every person with that mental mental health well-being check-in which i think is fascinating um what what have you done to actually ensure you've got a process around checking in with people and, and knowing that everyone in your team cats actually um, on the straight and narrow to use a hopefully an appropriate phrase. Um, so I think that's, that's now the, 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 the kind of the line manager's responsibilities. What we did is we, we've uh, kind of made it so that each line manager has fewer people. So, and what, as part of the check-ins, I mentioned that they'd be asking about where they are with their jobs and things, but they'd be also getting a sense of how, how they're doing. Um, and I think in those kind of groups, everyone kind of knows each other relatively well or has done for a little while. So you, you just kind of get a sense, you know, if someone's off a bit um, and you can kind of try and kind of either push it with them and see if they talk about it or if not kind of just raise it with the person up to just kind of go, actually, what, what can we do to try and spot it as, as soon as possible and provide, provide the support? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that I think that's quite smart actually. Cat, the the it's interesting. I, I run quite a lot of um, um, processes on Zoom with you know small teams, large teams, and we were running a process yesterday with a, a team of about just short of thirty, and and we've tested different breakout rooms in that Zoom setting, and uh, and and MS Teams and the other products as well, and um, it's clear that when when you've got four or five in a room there's there's a level of engagement that isn't when you've got 12 or 20 in a in a breakout session it just doesn't work and even the difference between four or five and seven and eight it's it, it it's stronger and um and, and i think and, you know the connections it's not just about the number of connections is it it's about the depth of the connection and you in saying that you've got fewer people with four or five in that 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 little mm-hmm. group make and i've just written the words tight knit you, you you're actually creating a bit of a tight knit group which is looking after each yeah. other and 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 if you've got they've got agenda items in their team checking i don't know be interesting to know if it's a how often they get together mm-hmm. as a group in a in a in a, in a or zoom or teams or whatever um but if there is a, a deliberateness around how are you doing with the jobs 
and how are you doing? So it's something something about the jobs and it's something about them. Then all of a sudden we're um, you 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 are genuinely having that deeper check in, aren't you? Every every week. How often do they actually um, come together as a as a group it's, of four or five? It's really kind of informal, um, and it it varies. Um, so I think it's it, it's something that we haven't been doing in this way for very long. So probably maybe like the last month or so. Um, so we're All just right, kind okay. of refining how we how it works best, and I think. I've kind of given people free reign to kind of do what works for them and their teams. And then we can kind of see actually if there's a, a way that we should kind of tailor it. So everyone does the same or whether to just keep it kind of, kind of flexible, but your point is really, um, we, we were seeing that. So originally when we started in terms of the communication, we were having kind of full team meetings. So everyone in business services in like in the Swindon office. And so I think that was maybe about, 20 odd people on a zoom 25 people on a zoom um we use skype yeah. Business, but yeah on a on a call yes um, business. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there was no two-way discussion really it was almost me communicating things and that was it yeah just delivering um, a message yeah uh which has a place so i think what i've learned what we've learned is that if there's messages if there's kind of one-way communication to get news out or, or things out mm. A, a zoom call or a recording or something like that is a great way of doing it um mm. but to kind of follow up on them feedback get the two-way communication it has to be those smaller groups otherwise it it, it doesn't really work yeah it's it's about having a conversation not just delivering a message yeah. isn't it and like you say there's there's a there's a place for both and i like the you know the fact that you're prototyping it and seeing who manages it best and then and then perhaps seeking out best mm. practice later um, makes uh, makes eminent sense. Um, I, I really like that. Kat. I think that's uh, that, that that's really smart and and connects with the insights. And uh, you know, I, was, I was thinking about this this morning as I was um, uh, getting ready for th- th- this session and um, wondering how, how, how do you how does a large firm like yours actually make you know create a, a, a human humanized mm. working environment and that small groups great buddies great you just so you've it's gone really micro from a, a, a macro stance which i think is smart and um in a former life i was once meant to be joining the uh, the the armed forces before um a certain lady who i've now been married to for a few decades uh, led me astray <laughs> thankfully um and um but spent some time um in the uh, officer training court and you've got um small groups of between five and eight called a section and then you've got uh, a company which has got you know a hundred in in between you've got uh, a platoon which you've got about 30 yeah. in and there's there's a different dynamic in that four five six seven is then there is in the 30 then there is in the yeah. hundred my, and, my um, husband's in the army I'm, i may have stolen stolen the idea from him <laughs> Oh right, very good, very good. So is this is this, is this your initiative then? This 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 the um, the, the small team piece in your team, or is it a Monaghan's initiative? Um, I'd say it's something that we're driving in business services because the other team, the other parts of the firm, are kind of structured quite differently. There aren't any other big group. We're the kind of the the biggest department. Everything else is kind of small. Like if we've got a personal tax team, which would be probably the next largest one, but um, yeah. that's kind of smaller and um, got more more senior people, so more more managers, more experience. We're the core of the the, the kind of the train the people that are going through a training mm. program. The, the the younger the younger members of the mm. team. Um, 
so I, where I think all of this is really important because yeah, they're, yeah. they're learning so much um, or could be learning so much that you need to make sure you're, you're on top of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That knowledge management piece. So um, is your department then the source of the future um, portfolio client manager types? Yes. Because you've got so many of them. There's, there's, um, so they, they sort of grow out of your team and into um, client facing. How, how does that get managed? I'm just, I'd, rather than talk general, it'd be really interesting to talk about, uh, you know, an individual without mm-hmm. naming them, just to get a sense as to really what's the, the human experience in terms of going from a, we're not client facing, we're, we're doing work and we're connected to our internal mm-hmm. customer. Yeah, we might have some customers, but how, how do you take your um, your team and turn them into a really good uh, client manager? Um, so I guess it's really interesting because I think historically that model that you just described is, has been seen to be the way to go. So you're in business services, you work your way up, and then you get to be a client portfolio manager. And yeah. I'm trying to change that a little bit because – I I think there's a place for business services managers and more senior people within business services. So I don't want people to think that you kind of work your way out and when you're good enough, you'll cu- go out of the team. That's the only yes. path. You don't want that to be no, the only path. No, and I path. think, right, I think okay. people will be, based on their skill set and what they enjoy, will be drawn to different routes. So yeah. I almost think that both when you're doing business services or a client portfolio manager – you both have elements of, of dealing with external clients and you both have elements of, of dealing and managing people. And I think it's just the focus in each of those roles is a, is a different mix. So if you're in business services, yeah. it's more kind of people focused and, and getting the most out of your team with some clients. Whereas the other, if you're a client portfolio manager, focus on the clients, but you've also got to manage the people because you're still feeding back and helping the people in business services. You might have, someone in your in your kind of front office team that's a bit more junior that you need to manage so it's for me it's the focus on people versus clients um Hmm. but when sorry Kat so do you mean people versus clients or is that just you just describing the two routes that your uh, team can advance through I guess I guess the yeah the two kind of routes so it's 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 Yeah. it's yeah it's where they're not no, against each other. No, it's not. No, no it's not like the people no, versus no, the clients. No. We're not. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just checking. Just checking. Um, so, um, yeah, we've had people who, um, uh, I'm thinking of someone in particular who, who started all the ways like school leaver came in as, as AAT and, and worked their way up to a point where they were um, managing um, part of the business services team. Um and they did that for a little while. And whilst they were doing that and kind of um, managing that team, they were slowly building up their um, their kind of, not necessarily, technical knowledge is the wrong word because you've done your studying, but all the other bits that go around what you'd learn whilst you're studying that you need to know mm-hmm. if you're the main point of contact with the client um, so they yeah. were starting to build up all of all of that because that was where they ultimately wanted to go. Um, so then they moved from that business services manager into a client portfolio manager role. Um, but more yeah. recently, if uh, um, with our kind of recent um, uh, um, qualified uh, trainees, uh, associates that have qualified, um, we've had both assistant managers um, 
opportunities within the business services team, but also hmm. ones that are kind of assistant client portfolio managers almost. So there's been an opportunity to go one of one of two ways. So hmm. people have been able to see actually, do I want to kind of focus on building and supporting the team or do I want to get hmm. straight into building and growing that knowledge to become a client portfolio manager one day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, th- I think that's neat. The, the, you know, I've, I've had I've had conversations at say board level, uh, partner level in in firms, and um, it might be a discussion about um, bringing a new person into you know either partnership equity or director level or whatever. And um, you know, there are, some firms have got a, a, a view that well, you've got to be a rainmaker in order to be a partner. We say, well, hang on a second. Have you got someone who's brilliant at leading a team of people? And uh, actually, you know, actually um, embedding a brilliant culture in the firm, but they're not a rainmaker. Isn't that as valuable, if not more valuable, than someone who can bring in 100, 200 grand's worth of work a, a year? Um, and it sounds like what you're doing is by creating those two routes is acknowledging the fact that um, we, we create roles and career progression to suit the people as opposed to um, just, you know, keeping it narrow. Yeah, um, yeah brilliant. Brilliant. And I guess that, that fits with, um, I know we had a brief conversation before the podcast, but I, I was um, fascinated to hear you um, uh, join a podcast about uh, introverts. And, and it's, is, is that sort of connected with this? There's, you know, different routes to suit different levels of introversion versus extroversion, do you think? Or am I uh, stretching no, the No, I think, here? I guess everyone like humans are complex aren't they there are lots of different things that go into making them who they who they are and it might be like introversion extroversion um it might be that they um I don't know really numbers or they're more verbal or or whatever it is and all of those things blend together and and it's about matching that blend with the right role that's going to suit them then the best because then everyone wins because they're doing something that they love that they're good at and so they're going to do it brilliantly so you as the Mm. firm get the most out of them um there's no point trying to fit a square peg in a round hole because no one's happy um yeah yeah. absolutely absolutely you've made me think of um uh, uh, david maester who was if you go back a couple of decades was the sort of uber guru of the professional service world um did some brilliant research and, and captured it in a book called practice what you preach and and he talked about um, you know you, you look at the highly uh, highly motivated high performing teams in professional services and he says four things show up and um, when I've presented this from stage I've gone and, and what he talks about is sacking them S A C C which usually gets a titter <laughs> from stage but you know th- thank you for that Kat thanks for the titter um, 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 S were stood for satisfaction A accomplishment. Um, C challenge and the last C uh, commitment from their colleagues um, and the, the the last three is self-explanatory the first one satisfaction what does that mean and, it, and and he talked about it's you've got the round peg in the round hole if you've got a round peg in a square hole the sense of accomplishment challenge and um, commitment to the call it's going to be a, a tough ask um, so I think that's a really 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 strong point and so uh, but just to finish, do we take it you consider yourself an introvert? Yeah, I am. Um, I am. Um, you don't. You don't come across as an introvert on this. Cat at no, all. I'm. I would like whenever you do those like Myers Briggs test or whatever it is. I am very highly at the introvert and end of the scale. Um, and for me, the definition of how I kind of define it is is where you get your your energy from. Um, so it's not that 
I can't do a podcast or I can't go into a networking event and talk to lots of people or stand up on a stage and, and, and do a presentation about something. I can do all of those things and I often really enjoy them, but I find them really tiring. So I need to make sure that if I'm doing those things, I then at the end of the day, go home and like, don't do anything and just like sit on the sofa and watch Netflix or something. Cause I, that's, or read a book. That's how I kind of recharge. Whereas an extrovert right. would find all those things energizing and would get a buzz out of it. Um, so, so it's not, yeah, it's, it's not about what you can and can't do. It's just your, yeah. your, your energy. That's how I define it anyway. So it's not what you can or can't do. It's, um, I guess it's back to that point, isn't it? About square, square, heg, square, heg, square peg in a square <laughs> yeah. hole. Um, but it doesn't mean to say you can't get a square peg to do a good job in the round hole. They're just not going to be comfortable for an extended period of time. And then if they're going to build a career, that's not yeah, going to work. You couldn't... But they could step up to the mark in that for a day or a week yeah. maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could never be a salesperson where I literally just go out like, have meetings, try and sell constantly. But I do love mm. going out and meeting new potential new clients and having those conversations just in in in, in small chunks, not back to back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so we've got an introvert who actually quite enjoys going on stage in front of an audience. Doesn't that really does sound like a contradiction in terms, but I I, I appreciate your definition that no, I, I, I can do it and I do like it, but actually I'm exhausted mm. at the end of it. I might be stretching the point, but um, uh, very good, very good. So, of everything we've covered off on this conversation uh, today, Kat, is uh, is the one thing that stands out that triggers something of value for you and and what you could should be doing with your team? I think, I think for me, it's all about um, the contact, the relationships. Um, making sure that everyone in the team understands their understands their role knows knows how they how they're doing in relation to that and and is is getting what they want out of the role as well so it's not a it's it's a two-way relationship um two-way between what the firm and the person yeah the the, there's the firm and the, and the manager the so in terms of the in terms of i guess their their role and what they're actually doing day to day everyone wins when they know what their role should that there's clarity i guess on what their role is but that there's flexibility to to tweak that on an almost individual basis for what people's strengths are um and mm. what and what the need of the firm is so to kind of balance those two things up. Yeah, to, just to turn that on its head then. So what you're saying is if there's ambiguity on what's expected of them, then they're just not going to perform yeah, well enough. definitely. I, I think yeah. I, I've already decided my word for 2021 is clarity. I want to get a lot of clarity around a variety of different things. So, yeah, that's my word for 2021. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. So, uh, and, and do you think that that's that's a tough ask, isn't it, in a rapidly changing working environment, which you know we've we've, we've got thanks to you know the go from office work to remote working, and then obviously it's all going to change again next year. As as, uh, but is it? It's it's not going to go back to exactly what it was before, no. is it? And I guess um, it is. But I guess part of it is is where at what level you need the clarity. So if if the clarity is at a really granular granular level, then that is quite a tough ask because things are keep on changing. So you've got to keep on re-clarifying what it is. But if you had clarity 
on a slightly bigger level. So people understood, I guess, the purpose or um, why we're doing things, that, that kind of level. If that was really clear, then you don't need to be as clear, I think, on the granular because people can understand what they're doing in the context of that. So if, if, if something changed, but they were really clear on what we were trying to achieve, the mm. ultimate goal would be they would be able to adapt what they were doing because they could see how it would fit mm. in. So you wouldn't need to clarify granularly. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it absolutely makes sense. You know, if you've, um, if you have got clarity over, you know, why we're doing mm. what we're doing, you know, throughout the team or throughout the firm, then people can make a, a, a well-judged decision, you know, and chances are they'll get it right yeah. um, if they're unclear about that. So so if there was a central purpose at Monaghan's, what is it? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, can I answer it? Yeah. Uh, and see whether I'm on, on – on, only because it, it's a simple click of about us yeah. on your website – first paragraph um which i wouldn't expect you to necessarily know off by heart but it's a, you know, the, the the and i'm paraphrasing here but um if we got one ambition it's to help you achieve your ambition and it's like is that right i think i mean i would i would say so i think that's um whenever i talk about my team or what i want to achieve when i'm working with clients I see that as my role. It's to help get the best out of the person I'm working with, whether that's someone in the team mm. or whether that's a, a business trying to support them in achieving what their goals are. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good one. That, that, well, <laughs> well, it's um, well answered, by the way, Kat, well answered. Um, so if the focus is um, helping your team get the best out of themselves and helping your clients get the the best that they want, then uh, you're, you're in the right space. And it's if you and your team have all got clarity around that and, and you build that clarity over time, because it's not something that's just yeah. shared once, is it? It's a It's got to be a repeating message everywhere, all of the time, almost. Uh, Kat, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out. Thank you very much for being so open about uh, you, your team and, and the firm. It's been brilliant. brilliant. Thank I you. really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Satago, and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor, and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.